Hey, hey, church fam, welcome back to the No Man's Land podcast. I am Travis Pauly. Had a little bit of a break on releasing episodes these last several weeks, but we are back with a good one. This episode, I got to sit down with Todd Romberger. Todd has been heavily involved at McDermott with organizing our worship every Sunday. As you'll hear us talk about, this has changed a bit since the pandemic, but he and his wife, Tara, are still very involved with the work at McDermott. I've gotten to know Todd a lot better over the past year, and if I may say, he's a very cool dude. So do yourself a favor, treat yourself to this chat we had, and I'll see you next episode. So I was wondering, first off, you probably get this question all the time, but where's the name Jalen in Jalen Jewelers come from? Dad's proper name is James. James. Mom's name is Linda. So it's a combo. It's a combo of their two names. I like that. Mom always brags that she was more important. She got three letters. He only got two. <laughs> and you've been in business 20? 30. 30 years. This year was 30 years. Wow. So in you started April. in 91. Mm-hmm. And what made you, because my impression of you, and I know you a little bit better now. Um, but That's my, scary. <laughs> my impression of you you're a you're a fisherman, right? Yeah. Do you hunt? No. Not much of a hunter, but you are into firearms. I yes. think it's safe to say. And all around, you're a I I what I hear about you, what I see about you, you're a guy's guy. Right? I guess. That's what that's what that's what the rumors are. Uh-oh. Um but what makes you what made you get into having one of the finest jewelry jewelry stores in Collin County. The long version yeah. or the short version? That's what we're all about here. So the I grew version. up with my dad owning different companies. Yeah. We, I was born in Iowa and we moved all over the place. But when I was in fourth grade, we moved to Minnesota. And he started an electrical contracting company with one of his best friends from college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the salesman. They were the electricians. That went for a few years and he met another guy that happened to be my uh, basketball coach in fourth grade and you were a ball player they for a little while a little while and then they started a another business that lasted for 12 13 14 years and when i graduated from college uh, he was done Mm -hmm. he was done with the partnership and yeah he wanted to do something with family that wasn't going to take a lot of employees because the business he had was a manufacturing plant that was 24 7 100 plus employees so he called me when i was graduated in december of 90 from Mm -hmm. Abilene and asked what i was going to do and i said i was going to dallas and i really had no idea what i was going to do but i was going to go to dallas and uh, he said he was going to come down and start a business okay so we ended up living together yeah six months nice his best friend at the time was his jeweler in minnesota so he decided he was going to start a jewelry store huh that's what happened we had no idea what we were doing yeah if we knew now what we knew then we would go shoot the guy that told my dad it was a good (laughs) idea but yeah (laughs) but but we've been blessed i mean it's been yeah it's been it's been a good long run that's awesome And uh, what would you say is your, what's your favorite part about working in jewelry? The people. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's unlike most businesses, we we don't deal with unhappy people. Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not a lot that can go wrong when you're buying a luxury item. So yeah, it's you know we we've built a lot of good friendships, a lot of good relationships over the thirty years, and you don't have to deal with angry people too much. Yeah, and most service, most retailer, you're going to get into that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, and I'm sure you see a lot of return customers. You have a lot of people. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a challenge over the last few years because when we built the original clientele, it was dad was pretty much the lead, and yeah. so there was people his age group that came in, and then when he retired back in 2012, a lot of those people were his age and yeah. were dropping off. So we had to build a new clientele right. that was you know my age or younger. And, yeah, but it's getting there. It's yeah, and. So did you, you said you, do you mostly grow up in Minnesota? From fourth grade through high school. And then you were from here originally? I've been here since 86. Oh, wow. No, my wife would tell you I'm not a born and bred Texan. Ah, uh, but you got here as quick as you could. As quick as I could, yes. Right. She accepts me as a Texan now. <laughs> what is, I, I've always wondered, what is the statute of limitations on when you're a Texan? You're I think, not unless you're born here. Gotcha. And I know I lived in California, so I'm just oh, yeah, probably not. You're going to have a long time yet. That's what my dad yeah. keeps telling yeah. me. Sorry, but <laughs> we accept you as a brother in Christ, but after yeah. that. <laughs> but not as a Texan. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And did you did You, you can't wash in, California off. I'm sorry. No, you can't. You really can't. <laughs> so, did you grow up in church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So your parents are COC? Yeah, it was raised Church of Christ. Nice. And would you say, because one of the things that I really like to get into on here is I feel like everybody probably has a moment, even if, even if you grow up in church, you have a moment in life where it, it starts to take on a lot more meaning to you. Yeah. Do you have that, do you have that kind of moment in your life? I grew up in a small church. Um, it was, if I remember the story correctly, there was four preachers that came from this area. Yeah. From Texas, at least I think huh. Texas, Oklahoma, and they planted a church. We met in a middle school when it first started, and, and the majority of the church was my family. It was my grandparents, my family. Um, I think I had an aunt and uncle even at the time that were there, and the four preachers' families. And so it grew yeah. from a nucleus of 40, 50 people to I think at its max it was a little over two hundred. Yeah. So it was kind of everybody knew everybody. Yeah. And. You know, you knew whose dad was teaching what class, oh, and yeah. mom was teaching what class. That's kind of that's just kind of my church so was growing up. My too. dad was for a long time was our not youth minister, but he was the guy that taught high yeah. school class when I grew up. Yeah, and oh, so, so you had that extra level of that extra level care. Of, yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, I remember going into it. It well had to been middle school class because I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and. I don't like it. most kids, you know, we always go to our parents when we think we're ready to be baptized. And it's like, you know, I'm going to, I want to get baptized. And yeah. My dad's deal was always, yeah, okay. And then there was no follow through on my right. part. Right. And you have to be the one to initiate. Yeah. And there was one day in class and I, my brain tells me it was him teaching the class and my brain tells me I remember what the class was, but I'm not so sure anymore <laughs> on how true that foggy memory is. Yeah. But I remember going to him, and it wasn't, I want to get baptized. It was, I'm going to get baptized, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And then he knew. Yeah. That was what he had been waiting for. That's interesting, because that's, that's an entirely different answer. That's an entirely different 
proposition, I'm going to get baptized. Yeah. I like that. And that's what he'd been waiting for. Yeah. All the other times, if he could talk me out of it, or if, he didn't have to talk me out of it. It just, there was no follow through. Right. So. Yeah, I think, uh, I know I did mine in the middle of the night. Oh, you did? I did. So then it was like. Like you woke. No, I was Mr. Awake. Polly up and said, oh, yes, it's time I did. To go. <laughs> Mr. Polly. Um, Mr. Polly is my grandfather. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, it was like, it was actually on Thanksgiving. So that's, that's odd. I haven't, I haven't remembered that in a while, but it was on Thanksgiving and I'd been thinking about it for a while. And then like most big decisions in my life, it took place at about 1130 midnight. Um, and yeah, it was like, wake up, you know, we got to do it. Um, but yeah, I think even then, cause I was, I was probably, I was about the same age, 12, 13. And, uh, I think it as, as serious as about my faith as I was, it probably took, I mean, just a lot of growing up to do yeah. to actually realize the, the real impact of it, of, of having faith and, and being serious about church. I think that's, I know I've had a lot of friends over the years that very serious about their faith, but could, you know, everybody can kind of take or leave church some of the time. Yeah, I've had those <laughs> friends. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I sort of, I mean, I, I sort of got roped into also taking it a lot more seriously, working at the church now for the last several years. Um, but I think one of the, the impacts that's had on me is like, you, you can, if without a church body to kind of keep you accountable and that you're a part of keeping other people accountable, you kind of don't, you, you can get away with a lot. <laughs> yeah. You can get away with a lot when you're just this floating spiritual person. We even go on to Abilene Christian. You're a spiritual Absolutely. person because you're there, but right. I mean, you can find float away there. Yeah. And I mean, for the four years I was there, there was ups and downs in my church attendance. Sure. It's who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you, what would you say is like your, your go-to involvement in church? I know you've done pre-COVID. Yeah. I helped, uh, coordinate services. Right. So I got to stand back at the podium and check guys off. When I remember, I remember if I ever did anything and had an assignment in late service, I was, I was going to show up. I was, uh, if that was still like a opportunity, I'd yeah. jump at it again yeah. because it was, I was a little blessed because when I agreed to take the position, I agreed that I wasn't going to write the schedule. Yeah. So it was just my job to enforce the schedule. Oh, I so like that. I spent the few hours during the week yeah. calling or emailing or texting guys. But that was probably those several years that I did that was probably when I grew my friend base or mm -hmm. my you know, acquaintance base right. in the church where it was really hard for me to come to church anymore and just kind of go sit in my pew and not say hi to anybody. Yeah. I kind of got to know a lot of the guys and, and therefore met their families and did that. And it was probably, when I look back on it now, it's probably God's way of saying, Hey, you need to get a better feel for who's here and yeah. what's going on. And that was, that was the eye opener of doing that. So right. as much as I would gripe once in a while about having to <laughs> fill positions, cause guys would call last minute and, Oh yeah. You know, cause guys are really responsible. So, right. Well, that was my next question. Uh, <laughs> do you think guys are like, you talk about that. I, I couldn't just sit in the pew anymore. 
And I think that's, that's something I've been thinking about a lot that my theory is that guys struggle with that a lot more than, than women. Like the, the necessity of getting involved, guys tend to be a little bit more passive, maybe feel like they don't have to do that. They don't have to be. Probably feel like there's a lot of, there's enough people in a church right. that's somebody big that somebody it. else will do it. Yeah. And that was what was kind of eye-opening to even me after doing it, that you know there was 14 guys back then that would serve communion. Yeah. You would be surprised how hard in second service, which I'm guessing there was four or 500 people here. Right. So yeah, but if, if half of them were, well, probably not half of them were guys, but if there was 150 guys to find 14 was pulling teeth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I know, man, that was my biggest fear growing up, growing up in a small church. I, this is so stupid, but um, I like to confess things on this podcast. <laughs> I probably didn't bring up the baptism conversation for like two years as a kid, even though I was thinking about it, just because I knew that the moment I got baptized, somebody was going to ask me to do stuff in worship. Really? And I couldn't have been more petrified of doing anything. Um, like my dad's a song leader. I didn't want to lead singing. Uh, my dad and brother at that point were both speakers and, you know, would every once in a while do a Devo. I just was mortified at the thought of doing anything like that. Um, and if, sure enough, I get baptized. Finally, I overcome that. And then they start asking me to serve the Lord's Supper. And I'd seen, like, I'd seen the odd teenager now and then Tragedy. drop a basket yeah. or drop the juice or yeah. something. Um, and I was just like, terrified of doing that. But then once I started you know, begrudgingly saying yes to things because you just, I think the more people ask you, it's like you get tired of letting them down. You get tired of saying no. Yeah, probably. And you get worn down. <laughs> you, I wish I had video. I should have wore a GoPro back when I did that because yeah. the guys would see and if it, I caught eyes with them, they'd yeah. <laughs> go off. Oh, when you're like looking for yeah. people? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they could see when I was in desperate need and yeah, I'd have more of the, teenage kids coming up and saying hi and the ladies coming up and saying hi and yeah. moms and that but the guys they if they saw me they looking avoid you. they were <laughs> other side of the yeah that's good yeah no I think that because uh, again once I started doing it I started I noticed the impact on my faith was like I, I actually started paying attention more I started cluing yeah. into things going on more because now I'm a part of it I'm a part of the even if it's in a small way I'm, an, I'm a part of the work that's bringing it all about. And I think that, that seems to me like that's, if, as a guy, something I've learned about my code <laughs> is the need to, if you're, not, if you're not involved, then it's not going to matter to you. Like if you're not yeah. actively participating in the work, uh, it's not going to matter to you as much as, as if you were being social. And I hate that. I hate that word. Well, that's what scares me a little bit about the COVID stuff now. Right, with, uh, with less opportunities. Yeah, I mean, the the young kids, that you know, that was kind of a passing of the right when you got yeah. baptized. That was one of the things you knew you were going to get to do. Mm -hmm. And But it was also your initiation into getting involved and being part of the church and, right. and having that responsibility to do something. And yeah. it tied you in, and it made you progress. Yeah. And we've... You know, and it's nobody's fault, but we've taken that away. And well, you don't need communion. Like, like you said, the communion servers was what probably the biggest job required, yeah. and now we've used those rip and sips. Yeah. Kind of takes the fun out of it. 
And it's so yeah, quick that's what, now. That's, really? That's all you're going to go? It takes the fun out of it? <laughs> the cardboard or whatever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, as much as I love cardboard unleavened bread, yeah. um, I think it's unleavened because it's cardboard. It's styrofoam. Yeah, it's, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it helps you. You don't put leaven in cardboard. Yeah. I think... Uh, that's that's definitely been one of the missions of having this podcast and sitting down with other guys in the church like yourself is because I, I started thinking about and COVID made me think about it a lot the the need to want to feel more involved the need the need to want to you know I mean we all saw churches all over the country I mean due to the decisions made and the circumstances we were in struggle. And I know I was thinking, man, if I work at a church and I feel like, what could I be doing? I, I'm looking around. What, what, what could I be doing to be more involved? It's like that's probably a lot of people asking that. <laughs> and, and there just doesn't seem to be a lot of obvious answers. Obviously, there's, a, I mean, there's some of the same stuff we were doing before that still needs to get done. Um, but then also kind of looking ahead at like what, I'm starting to think, you know, what does the church look like in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? Yeah. And I, and I think that's that's kind of always been probably the, one of the foremost things on churchgoers' minds is, you know, how does this how does this change and how does this grow with, you know, it, or grow in spite of the culture and which is ever changing and ever more seemingly spiritualist and not, it's almost like you're fighting. Yeah. Who, what do you go to church for? Right. And so much of it now seems like the younger group goes for entertainment. Mm-hmm. They want it to move them. Yeah. And when I grew up, it was more about moving God. It was about you were going, you were the audience, you were the show for God. He was the audience. Right. That's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's scary. Yeah. If we're really doing things right, the church really doesn't need the change. Yeah. Does it? Or well, does that, it? And that's why, I mean, I, I I've know. especially noticed that within COC groups, we always talk about, you know, being a New Testament church, going back, going back to the way things were done, written down for us in Scripture. And yeah, but not, not as far as the, I mean, I, I used to lead singing when I was a kid. Yeah. So one of the fun things that Dad and I used to do was, you know, COC tradition is announcements, two songs, prayer, right. two songs, Lord's Supper, absolutely, a song, scripture reading, lesson, and then an invitation song and a prayer. Right. And if you break tradition with that, there will be some people's hair that will light on fire. Yep. So and you'll hear about it. Oh yeah. So <laughs> you know, Dad and I, when we used to trade off lead and singing, we were, when I was a kid in high school, and we'd do a song in the Lord's Supper, and then yeah. you would see some people's hair go on fire. Those yeah. are traditions that. Yeah, I don't think play, but as far as how we have our service and yeah. how we worship God, right? You know that. Why would that change? I like what you said about it. You know, it's supposed to be us doing, putting on a show for God, and and entertaining Him and, and worshiping Him, giving Him a sacrifice to Him, uh, as opposed to the other way around. Because I think, you know, in the journey of involvement that I've had in, in being a Christian, it's like what we're talking about. It's like the, the times where I clued in and it, it meant more to me 
and maybe I'm still thinking about certain aspects of it throughout the week as opposed to just on Sunday. Um, is are the times not when I was you know necessarily moved by something that happened in worship, um, but actually as a result of me being a part of it, even in in some limited capacity. Yeah, I can't take credit for. There was a preacher in what well, we called it Southern Thr- Southern Hills. Mm-hmm. I almost said Southern Thrills. That's what we used to call the church in Abilene. But <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah, there was a, we had a I mean we had a huge college class. Yeah, but when we would go to service that. I don't remember who the preacher was. I'm getting old. But, you know, in college, if you looked around the college section, mm-hmm. you know, two-thirds of it was asleep. Right. And the other half was talking to somebody else, and there was, you know, two or three people, which unfortunately usually wasn't me that was paying attention. And it was almost like this preacher that day saw that. Yeah. And that was his lesson was, you guys are not here to be entertained. You're... Mm. You know, God's sitting in the audience, and you're on stage, mm. and you're you're putting on the show for Him. Yeah, you're you're showing Him His glory, and that I don't know why, but that stuck with me, and you know that kind of plays a part in, you know, now now it's about being comfortable coming to the church. Mm-hmm. You know, how we dress is not important anymore. Yeah, it's you know we when we walk into the church building, we want to be comfortable ourselves. Sure, and. And I get that a little bit, yeah. But some of you that still, it. some of that still irks me yeah. because we, why would we were this is where we're coming to worship God, our Creator, right? Why would we not want to be in our best, right? You know, and because and that's how I was raised, and that's one sure. of those that is hard for me to still swallow. And you know, when I throw on a pair of slacks and a, a shirt that's untucked and come to church like I do now, right? You know, there's yeah, there's, there's a part of me that still goes. Yeah, this ain't right. Yeah. Because when I go out with, if I'm going to go to a fancy dinner somewhere, I'll put on my Sunday best. And, right. You know, go. So why is that dinner more important than my God? Yeah, that was, you made me think about it because I, you know, grew up in a smaller church and all, all of, I mean, almost every Sunday, the guys, like the older men would the, all be suit in and tie. suits. Yeah, all suit and, mm-hmm. suit and tie. My dad was probably one of the more liberal ones. Every once in a while, he wouldn't have a tie on or something. Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but that's it your did, dad, though. You know, he is <laughs> he's always he's, pushing the envelope. He's always he's always a he's always a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. Um, but he, I, as we got older, it was it was kind of looking back on it, it's kind of funny to think like, you know, as a kid, all you know, we don't care about dressing up or anything like that. But as we got older and got into high school, like that sort of became somewhat of a game amongst the youth in the congregation. Was like, you know, try. <laughs> Yeah, puts you know, put on your best, and as you're getting older, you're thinking more about clothes. That became like one of your outlets for, like, actually trying and and trying to be presentable. And um, well, and therein lies the problem too. Yeah, that it shouldn't be right. It shouldn't uh, be about it. It shouldn't be about dressing people. up and putting clothes. You know, right? It, what other people think. Yeah, and I mean, if you're good going to worship God and your khaki shorts and flip-flops. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to throw a scripture at you that says, <laughs> sure, dude, that's wrong. But yeah. You know. Flip-flops would have been a very biblical thing to wear. That's, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know a funny the- story about flip-flops. I remember coming to Wednesday service and I got a call late and I don't remember who it was from, but could I lead closing prayer? Yeah. And 
I didn't think it through. Mm-hmm. Flip-flops make a sound when you walk in yes, them. Yes, they do. Unmistakable. And, and there's something about that closing prayer after the song that everybody's kind of quiet. And you could hear, and I sat in the back. Yeah. You heard me oh, walk no. all the way from the back, all the way up onto the stage. And see, I, McDermott's the first place that I've worshipped where we kind of have a flow to the service where yeah. I, th- I think John Jordan, uh, who, who oversees a lot of that, he likes things to be like when the song's ending, you know, you'll see the end up on the slide. Yeah. You know, if you've got the prayer, come on up and just, you know, we'll, we'll be ready to go. Every other church I've been to, <laughs> there's the long walk. Like yeah. the brother does not get up until the song leader yeah. sat down. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, you, you had the long walk of yeah. shame. <laughs> but it taught me a good lesson. Yeah. I didn't ever do that again. Never wear flip-flops. Or church. I said no when somebody called me for a prayer. I looked at my feet first and then said, before I said you yes could, no. If it ever happens again, and it probably won't, you could just ditch them all together because also being barefoot is a pretty respectful thing in, uh, in our yeah, biblical know. tradition. That might be worse. Yeah, That yeah. might be one of those you have to go forward the next Sunday for. <laughs> <laughs> Make a confession to yeah. the elders about. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I think um, I think I've really started to, you know, in interest of that conversation about looking down the road, at what church is going to be like. I think it's it's made me start to think about the difference between. I, I feel like we approach a lot of things now from a collective standpoint in the church. Yeah, that's kind of a different way of looking at it. Yeah. And, and I mean, to some degree as a necessity, like, I mean, a congregation like ours, I mean, 1,100-ish members, um, I don't know how up to date we are on that, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, like, like you were talking about with getting brothers for worship, it's like, that's a, that's a big group to try to corral. And so I, I do see some, some wisdom in, in looking at things in groups and more of a collective approach to to how to you know be a congregation and 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 serve together as Christians but i think one thing that's that interests me about looking at scripture is like it's it's always sort of it's written to the individual it's written about an individual you know the stories are very individually focused and even even if it's a story about the nation of Israel it's usually focused on a prophet a leader a king um and I think I also see the culture doing that. I mean, the culture loves to look at people in groups. Yeah. And it makes me it makes me cringe anytime makes me cringe more and more anytime I see the church do anything that mirrors or resembles something the culture is doing. I was listening to a, a podcast recently about uh, a church. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's a it's kind of a serialized podcast. It's like a, they're, I mean, they're, all, they're they're like audio documentaries about this church um, that had a lot of controversy, and the the preacher was kind of a no good guy, but he built this huge following, and one of the things that keeps coming up as people that were around that church at the time it was it was having problems, one of the things that keeps coming up is the the insistence to sort of play to the culture that was going on, that that was, that was the first thing before all the controversy, before all the things that really tore the church apart. The thing that preceded that was 
mirroring the culture was like, I mean, as far as like even taking, I don't like for VBS, it would be, it would be themed after some movie that was out. It would be, you know, it it had to be, (laughs) yeah, they would go that far with it. Like everything (laughs) had to be tied to some sort of parody of the culture, some sort of comparison to it. And so that even when we get to something uh, like looking at groups versus actually treating people as individuals and as hard as that is when you have big groups it's like anytime I see us doing that even with good intentions it makes me cringe because yeah because it it just it just feels like we're we're using the same categories we're using the same definitions that the culture uses and that's 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 what's always made the church different (laughs) is standing apart and I think there, uh, there's definitely, uh, uh, there's always been an urge. I mean, we, we see writings about that in the New Testament. Always been an urge of, for Christians to try to fit in, but obviously the, 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 the overarching message of Scripture, and, and specifically many times with Paul, is, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed and, you know, by Christ. And, but I, I wonder, because I, I think it gets, it almost gets more deceptive now, because there's a lot of, like, feel-good, compassion-led, kindness-led yeah. things in the culture <clears throat> that mirror... It, it's kind of like a blurry version of things that you see in Scripture. <laughs> yeah, and when I grew up, it was... I grew up, there was a lot of Catholics yeah. where I grew up. And when they went through their confirmation process and they were... I don't. It seems like that was a six-week deal or maybe it was a six-month deal. Yeah. But, they were real devout. And then after that, they went to church twice a year. Right. They could not for the life of them understand why I went to church Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And that just blew their mind. Yeah. And we were a church of so many rules, the Bible, you know, with all these rules, you had to, your life is, has got to be miserable that you can have to, all these rules. Right. And back then when you're listening to it as a kid, you're kind of going, yeah, you're right, man. There's, this is really hard. I got to follow all these thinking rules, and if I don't, I'm sinning, and I'm going to go to hell, and it's, right. it's a bad, bad deal. And the older you get, the more you realize that those rules are there to make your life easier yeah. and more simple. And if you live, you know, God knew what He was doing. Yeah. And if you live by the way He's trying to tell you you should live, mm. the anxiety level in your life goes down, and the you're still going to have issues. You're still going to have problems. That's just the way of the world. Uh, But you know, it's, it's such a simpler life, Yeah. but it took me a long time and I'm still not there, but you know, it took me, I, there's things now I watch my kids growing up. Yeah. And my mom laughs at me. (laughs) I'll I'll look at, we won't name any of them. Austin. (laughs) Okay. I was going to say, we can name that one. He swore. He said, please dad, don't embarrass me tomorrow when you go see Travis. (laughs) Okay. I'll try it. But I look at him, yeah. and we had our time where I was going to kill him. Yeah. And now the things that bother him that just mm-hmm. tear him up inside, I'm going, man, that's nothing. Yeah. Why, why are you letting that eat you up? Yeah. And, but then I look back, my mom reminds me that that's how I was. That's interesting. You see the world through a different set of eyes. Yeah. And even my mom looks at me and some of the stuff that gets me upset. My dad, and they, you know, why? Yeah. To what end? Your dad's favorite saying, to oh, what end? Oh, he loves that. Yeah. 
He's got like he's got a cup that says it. He does. He like orders custom made decals, and yeah. I think that was a gift. To be fair, maybe was he's it? maybe he's not the one doing it. But no, he's very committed to that. To what end? Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I've definitely, I definitely had a, a similar, a similar phase of like, you know, the like you said, the things that eat you up, or it's it's good to have somebody kind of patting you on the shoulder, going, "Oh, it's not that." Oh man, when it's I was in my twenties, everybody was stupid. I knew better <laughs> than everybody. I mean, yeah, I just they. The world did not know what it was doing. You know, I don't know how it spun on its axis without uh-huh. me being involved. But yeah, I you know, had that. Now I look back and I'm just like, and it's 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 a fine line because my wife sometimes tells me, you know, you have to care about something, and I go, I yeah. care about a lot of things, but sometimes it seems like I just yeah. don't really care. I do because the list has probably been whittled down a lot. Yeah, I choose what I'm gonna yeah let take my time. Yeah, and. That's another one of those. Life is a lot easier, you know. I mean, yeah. look at COVID. There was a whole bunch of stuff during COVID. That yeah. The first seven weeks. Oh yeah. You know, it was kind the of first seven weeks of two. Well, weeks we were to shut down the at the store for seven weeks. <laughs> yeah. And were you really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Plano was one of those cities yeah. that said, unless you're essential, and selling jewelry, I guess, is not essential. I mean, I w- yeah. could have made a really good argument for it, yeah. but, and I was really bitter, at first because. I didn't like anybody. That's part of you own your own business. You don't want people telling you what to do. Yeah. But after about two days of that, sitting at home, got kind of comfortable. Yeah. And that was fun. And then it was not fun. And I was ready to go back to work. And yeah. But that whole experience, it's almost taken over our lives now. And I'm, I'm looking back at all yeah. of the changes that we've made. Right. And now that's the new, I, I hate the, phrase, I hate the new too. normal, but I mean, now everything's based off of the decisions yeah. that have been made now in the last year and a half. And it is, I, I think about this a lot too. It is one of those weird things where it was kind of apparent immediately that no matter, really, no matter what the effect of the illness is or what, this is going to be one of those before and after, like you're going to, there's, there's life before this lockdown, this pandemic, this whatever. Uh, and then there'll be life after there is like, it'll be a, a way that we measure time. <laughs> well, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you one of the biggest things, yeah. not, not biggest, but from a church service standpoint. Yeah. So we all got really used to sitting at home yes, we in did. bed in our PJs mm-hmm. and Austin's girlfriend, Sammy got baptized during COVID. That's right. And yeah. I remember coming up and telling Matt that because Matt came and opened the building for us that night. And yeah. I said, you know, if we ever do meet again, this place is going to have to change dress code because I'm going to have to be able to come in my PJs and <laughs> have a cup of coffee next to me and yeah. do all that. But now when we're back, yeah. and we were talking earlier about the little rip and sips, mm-hmm. the part of passing the trays gave you that two-minute, uh, three-minute yeah. period to think. to think. Yeah. And now we're That's just kind of rip and sip and we get another little bit of a tidbit of a lesson and then we're doing right. that there's not that and i don't know yeah i'm sure that's not a biblical thing that you know we're supposed to take the bread and have no. 3.5 minutes to be <laughs> able to contemplate and then we have another prayer and, but yeah that was a time whether it was tradition or not it is kind of a forced meditation for you yeah, yeah. i mean i used to sit and put my head down and the older I got, the more I was comfortable closing my eyes, and yeah. you, you could sit and meditate on whatever 
you thought was right at that time. Yeah. And it's like that's been brushed over. And I don't know yeah. that it's wrong. I'm, I don't want, it's not wrong. Right. It's, that was a good tradition in my mind. Yeah. And I'm having a really hard time with that one. Yeah. So No, it's, it's interesting now that you say that because I also, I also feel, and I, I didn't even connect it to the fact that we used to have that two or three minutes, but I've, I've been thinking lately when we take the Lord's Supper, like, man, I got to, I got to be ready because it, once it happens, it's, it'll happen and it's over. Whereas now that you say that, I realize a lot of times if I was not in the right place when I was getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, at least I had sort of a forced two or three minutes. And maybe, maybe by the end of that, even if I'm really stressed or distracted or whatever, by the end of that two or three minutes when we're going on to the next part, I've at least had some chance to, to kind of get ripped back into focus and be thinking well, that's, about that's another one of about. those part of the structure that I, I suppose you have to have some structure in a big congregation sure because you can't have somebody getting up and leading a lord's sermon lord's supper sermonette you know sermonette you get yeah, somebody that goes like on that. for 30 minutes and yeah. and then the, and there I've was heard some. there was some of those that used to happen <laughs> yeah and to be fair some of those were really good yeah but oh you learned a lot yeah i mean but I mean, I'm, there has to be some structure, but yeah. I, I miss that. You know, I'm, there was there was a few past elders that, when you saw them getting up to go, you knew oh, you yeah. needed to get comfortable, but you also knew you were going to get enlightened. Right. There was some things that were going to come out of that yeah. ten minutes that you were going to walk away with and remember. It's gone now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, and I miss it. You know, that was, yeah, me too. That was that we could, that's one of the main focuses we come together for and I is to, yeah, is to do that. And it hasn't, I don't want to, I don't want to give off the impression that I think it's been trivialized because I don't, no, no. I mean, I, I think, yeah. I think our church takes it very seriously and does yeah. that, but that was a, that is why we're here. You know, that's. That's who we want to remember. That's that's the that's I think about this too. Like that's when he said come together, mm-hmm. that that's exactly what he was saying to do. Yep. And we we built up stuff around that that, or the, and the early church yeah. seems to have built up stuff around that that is really good and helpful. But yeah. not that I don't want to hear thirty minutes of Wes. But oh no, yeah, he's know. great. But the that was. I always I like, that. I like it too when we, uh, sometimes Wes will do like a, he'll do a sermon and build the Lord's Supper into it. Again, probably flying in the face of people who love. There are some around fire during that too, yeah. Right, because the, the structure of everything has changed a lot. But um, but yeah, I like it when we we make the whole time about that because you do get the sense, I get the sense that we can't think about it enough. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder what happens to our kids. I mean, the, the guys that teach that Timothy class, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. You know, that, that's, a, that's a great teach class. Teach them singing, yeah. and I, I imagine they go through saying prayers and reading scriptures, yeah. things like that. But I wonder, do we ever teach our kids when they're baptized? Right. What is that few minutes that we have in church about? Yeah. What, what is the proper way to partake, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember that's my dad doing that. Like with you? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. wasn't, it was, uh, my, uh, this is another one of those foggy memories that might be untrue, but just one of those kind of on the way into church. Yeah. This is what's going to happen, and 
this is where your brain should be. Yeah. And I needed a lot of people back then to tell me where my brain should be. But yeah, that was, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a, one of the things Matt does and yeah, his thing that I'm not aware of, but <laughs> I remember when my kids went through, I don't remember them ever coming. They, had, I remember being asked by them, you know, well, what are we going to do? What are we supposed to, I see everybody putting their heads down or yeah, what are we supposed to do? What are you thinking about? Yeah. yeah. And it, it is, it is, one of those, I think about this with a lot of aspects of worship, but I'm, I'm always, every once in a while, I'll think about if somebody who'd never been to church before, never, you know, didn't really have much exposure to Christianity as a as an organized religion, um, if they walked into our building while we're singing or while we're, you know, or even somebody who's reading a scripture or something like that, like what in the world would be going through their mind? Because there's no... I can't think of a single other cultural thing that even mimics what we do in church, you know, it, because it is such a unique process of, of, of worship. Like you, you're, it's, it's sort of, <clears throat> to your point earlier, it's sort of all built around the idea that this is not about you, or at least yeah. it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. <laughs> Have you been to a lot of other denominational I've been, church? I remember for Easter... At some point during L.A., I was visiting some family, and they were going to a community church at the time. That was wild. It was, oh, like, it was, it was like outside. They had a band going. There were people dancing. That was that was weird. Yeah, the, the nice thing. That, that didn't seem like it was supposed to not be about you. No. <laughs> that felt like it was actually made for me. <laughs> I've been to a lot of different denominations and not. Yeah. And I, most of them were weddings, you know, yeah. that type of thing that ended up going to church with those families after the weddings, from, right. whether it was from high school kids or college, things of different denominations, but sure, it don't, and we're not going to name any in particular, but it almost was, it was more focused on who was doing the teaching, who was right. leading. It was, it wasn't focused on the church body as a whole and what we right. were doing for God and yeah we're supposed to be doing for god and it's it was structured everybody knew what was coming and yeah why do you think we struggle with that i don't know why do we struggle with with always wanting to make it about ourselves because i mean like we've been talking about like you could you can do that in a coc you can i mean you can absolutely oh i think no matter what they we do yeah. yeah And no matter what the organization of it is in the on the back end, it's like you as a as a member, somebody showing up. You, I mean, you can have that orientation in your heart for sure. I, I think it starts with the individual. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd agree with that. I used to, I used to come to church, and if somebody was singing off key, yeah, in the row behind me, that church was done. Yeah. Because you're gonna be thinking about that. I did, that's all I could think about. Yeah. I don't care anymore. I yeah. mean, I don't. And I mean, I'll, I'll make fun of that person when I get in the car with my wife, sure. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but, you know, but, but it's not a draw that takes me away yeah. from what, and I mean, I, I get distracted just like anybody else does, but you know, it's, what do you put your importance in and knowing where you're at and what's your mindset going in? And, right. you know, it's, the little things, I don't know, they just don't get to me anymore. We've been through so much in the last year and a half, two years. Oh, yeah. That 
it kind of it opened my eyes a lot that there's some things that we just don't need to be concerned about yeah and you know we have to care about everybody else about people and doing that but there's there has to be some kind of importance level to a hierarchy of like value and yeah yeah and I mean I get accused my wife all the time that I don't care enough about some things that I probably should care about but maybe it's just lower on the list yeah that's a good point I can tell her I care yeah, <laughs> it might not be much. There's just a lot of things in front of it. Yeah, yeah. there is. No, I, I, man, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. I think that, like, that, I think that's an experience you a lot of people have growing up because everything's new to you, so everything is sort of of equal importance. Yeah, or or at least a lot closer to levels of importance. And as you get older, you, you, you kind of you're kind of forced, I would imagine, in some sense, to to again make a make a list of values as opposed to just taking it all in at once and the peer pressure doesn't bother as much yeah anymore why do you think that is you either get to a point where uh you're happy with you yeah um not in a conceited way but you know you're just and i and i it doesn't want to be a way that you're you know, we're now we're talking about content on on Sunday morning, and the mm. first time that that came up, boy, that rattled me wrong. Yeah, I was I remember sitting in my chair going, "We ain't supposed to be content, Wes. Give yeah. me a break. You know, we always want to strive to be better." And then you listen, and that wasn't where he was going. Yeah, but you do, I think, get to a point that if you want to be happy, right. that you always want to better yourself. You always want to be your faith, strengthen your faith, and yeah. and do that, but. You, that's a slippery slope, you know, because you want to care, I guess, about what other people think to an extent. But right. I'm getting to that point where I really don't sometimes, and I mean, I, and I realize that on a that can be a bad thing. Sure, it, you can you take know, it too far. You can take, and I do take it too far sometimes. But yeah. I'm fully admit that. But I've found I get if I'm living a life that God wants me, or I'm trying to live a life that God wants me to. Yeah. I'm taking care of my family and loving my family. And I'm kind to the one, people around me. Yeah. Then I don't want to say the rest takes care of itself, but it's, that's a good start. Yeah. And there's so many things in this world now that are just out there to tear us down or to pit us against each other. And say that again, if you're not comfortable with, who you are and how you're treating other people, that's going to grab hold of you and it's going to rip you apart. Yeah. And you know, I've watched, I've watched my kids going through school, the stuff that they're taught in school Mm -hmm. and it's hard to deprogram that. Yeah. And you know, if you sit them down and have logical conversations as much as you can with your kids, right. Just try to lay out the facts. Why do you feel that way? They, it's, it's, they, they kind of get bewildered and, that's not how it is at school. Right. Well, that ain't the real world. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bubble. It's a bubble. Yeah. But, and it's scary. It's, I mean, I, that's, that's probably one of the things gets me more riled up than anything is watching what's happening to our kids and what they're being bombarded with. And And I mean, I asked my mom, was it like that? And they're the same way when we were growing up. I mean, it's a different set of circumstances, but right. You know, 
we're, they were they were worried about us when we were kids, all the things that we were seeing that they didn't see when they were kids. Right. But it seems like the world as it goes on is getting more worldly. More things yeah. are accepted now that back when I grew up, it was like, there's no way. Right. And now there's things that are just part of the culture that are okay. Yeah. That biblically, they ain't even close to being okay. But we're forced almost, if we're going to live here, yeah. to accept it. And right. I don't have a real good time with that. No, me neither. But I think, you know, I heard somebody say about doing an Old Testament class one time. And they were talking about how it was with a younger group of people, you know, people my age, and I was I was a lot younger at the time, and and a lot of the struggles people were having about reading through the Old Testament was, oh man, God seems so mean, you know, He's some pretty harsh judgments come down on entire nations and and right. groups of people, and um, and. You know, why is that? And I remember the teacher talking about, and he had some historical context with this, um, some of the things that we get in Scripture and some things that we've, we've gotten by other means now. But he was talking about how the cultures back then, like if you go into a Canaanite town or a Midianite town or you go to or Sodom and Gomorrah, like the, the level of debauchery was something we probably couldn't even imagine, like what was accepted walking down the street. And... It made me think about how, there, like you just said, there's levels of worldliness. Like, there, maybe maybe as Christians, we're always sort of looking at what's going on around us and thinking, you know, kind of shaking our heads and and rightly so. And there's you know there's but there's but there's levels of it, and there's levels to what's accepted broadly that then Christians have to contend with. Because I think that, I mean, I can even see in my lifetime things that are accepted that I was like, that that wasn't like that when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine the challenge as a parent is, is being able to have the conversation without freaking out. Like, because, I mean, they're being exposed to things, like you said, that wasn't around it wasn't wasn't nearly as accepted growing up we didn't have to have those conversations when we were kids yeah so it's hard now to have that conversation you're right. not prepared i mean there was nothing in your past to prepare you for it yeah and, because and as much you. as you want to whip the bible out and go hey dude look right here right that should be all you need yeah but, but dad you know it's that doesn't always work <laughs> but yeah it's it's scary yeah but it's you know you got to build them up the best you can and right. give them what, what you can for knowledge and be there to support them. And, and that's kind of I mean that's been the challenge Christians have faced uh, faced forever. And uh, I would I would say the the number one question I wanted to ask you. Uh oh. And it is kind of broad, so feel free to go wherever you want. <clears throat> but. What advice would you give? And you have a son. He's a little bit younger than me. Um, but what advice would you give a, a young guy coming up in church who wants to be serious about his faith? Get involved. Get involved. But not just, not just for other people to see you involved. Yeah. You know, search out why. Yeah. You know, 
where you where your strengths can be helpful. Well, no, why are you involved? Why mm-hmm. why am I in church? Why? Which is a question I never. I mean, I was growing up and even going through college, it was it was part of that entertainment thing. That's probably right. why that thing stuck with me so much from from the, the preacher, college preacher yeah. that were God's entertainment. That everything I did was because it was fun. It was it entertained me. It made yeah. me happy. It fulfilled something inside of me. Right. Why? You know, that was if I could go back and know why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. And then followed those little tentacles down to, you know, research. We were talking in class Sunday. One of the things that got brought up was uh, we know what the Bible says, but the context of what was going on in the area around the yeah. time, you know, what were the people like, you know, right. all the context that we don't ever really get into that much in church. Yeah. I'm weak on that. Yeah. And that's one of the things I want to, and that's a why question. That's a, how come, you know, that's what I would push kids to do. Yeah. Be able to defend your faith. That's a mm. why thing. How come? And yeah. so many times we just go to church and we do our hour on Sunday morning, hour on Sunday night at class and Wednesday night, and then we're done. Right. We don't ever really have to explain why. When we do get asked why, well, because the Bible said so. Yeah. Circular reason <laughs> yeah, right that's there. That's your go-to. Yeah, I think, man, as you say that, I think I remember in my church growing up, like apologetics were a big, that was like a big. Really? It was. We did a lot of that. So there's a lot of like science classes <clears throat> and things we did. But I think one thing that I was thinking about this week was like with all the cultural issues that that sort of threaten to consume people. And I mean, identity itself is a cultural issue, but then the things competing for people's identities are so great that they almost become religions or one might say idols in and of themselves. And so what we're defending our faith against, it's not really different because it's it's things that are not of God, but yeah. the specifics of it, the details of it, and you know, why would I choose my faith over all of the other things I could be devoting myself to? I was thinking about how that that does keep changing. The the specifics that we're defending it against. Yeah, that's true. I do kind of, of change. Way. And so the need for like like you said, defending your faith and answering your why is not just fundamentally why, but also specifically why in the face of all of this. You know, I mean, I think about throughout Scripture when, you know, either individuals or, or, you know, the people of Israel were, you know, they were put to the test. They were asked, like, you choose for yourself. You know, who do you you want to serve? Do you want to serve one of these carved images? Do you want to serve God? Um, Do you want to serve another leader, another king? And... I mean, we, that, that, that conversation is still very much always at the forefront of our, of our cultural issues today. It's, 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 there's plenty of things we could be doing without doing church. Yeah. Plenty of things we could do that's not serving God. But th- that's my kids will ask, you know, we're blessed. Yeah. I mean, most people in the States are we're don't, we don't realize how blessed yeah. we are. And I feel like our what we what we consider blessed 
usually revolves around money yep. and possessions and stuff that we have. And, you know, I'll confess that's part of the way that, you know, I'll thank God for my store doing good or yeah. the, the things that I have. But it needs to progress past that. Yeah. And it needs to progress to, you know, thank God for the health of my family. Thank God for giving me the beautiful wife that I have. Yeah. You know, the Thank you for the faith that you've given me and let me have and um, for putting all this perfect plan into place that if we'll just be smart enough to try to follow it, yeah. life is so much easier. Yeah, Those are blessings that we overlook a lot and go for right for the monetary stuff or what we right. can tangibly touch. Oh, yeah. You think about like, I mean, the, the blessing of growing up in church. <laughs> Growing up in a country like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think about having, having two parents. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a divorcee. Yeah. The, that's my kids didn't have that. Yeah. So I mean, it's tough. Yeah. There's a lot of blessings that you can overlook. So. Yeah. What do you think that that, like, how do you think about your younger years and, like your 20s? Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Why? How am I still here? Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm glad uh, to be here. Yeah. yeah. God is good because yeah. he, he allowed me to make it through a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah I, there was my, my life was a, a roller coaster back then. Yeah. And, which I'm sure a lot of 20 years are. I tried to take it as far as I could, but yeah, the, I don't know if I would be who I am now without it. Right. I was a hard case that had to learn things the hard way. Yeah. You know, and when I learned them, I like to think that I was able to learn lessons from them. Yeah. But it's a, it's also a scary road too because you know what's out there, so you really want to try to protect your kids from it. Right. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Yeah. You know. I, I think there there's all that's I mean, and again, I know plenty of guys that have not uh, maybe they don't say wow as much when they look at their twenties like uh, like I would as well, um, but but I, th there definitely seems, I heard somebody say recently that guys have a self-destructive streak in them. And I was like, yep, that <laughs> I identify with that. I wouldn't look at it as self-destructive. Yeah. I mean, I thought, well, that's not what you think I you're thought doing. I was enlightened, man. I yeah. knew it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I look back on it now and I really do. I don't know how I'm alive. Yeah. There's, there's, and it, and it I don't want to portray that I was this, you know, drug kingpin, you know, right. running and doing drug drops and flying planes and yeah. crazy stuff but you know, I had my my time were just stupid decisions yeah but mm, I, I don't know and I don't know if that makes me love God more or be more thankful for what I have now or understand right. it better I'm sure to some extent it does I'm sure to you know because I look now there's a there's a lot of young men that that grow up and I go wow you guys are something, you know. Yeah. Clean cut and yeah. Know the Bible backwards and forwards, you know, getting straight A's and doing all that and it's yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the other way. But and but I mean then then we don't know their circumstances behind the That's scenes true. either. So yeah. you know. There's well, 
And I think that's what, I mean, I think that's what plenty of mistakes have, have taught me is empathy. <laughs> yeah, I apologize to my mom and dad a lot now. Yeah. Because especially watching <laughs> Austin grow up. You know, yeah. Because my mom loves to tell me that that's you. Yeah. Like, Man, I am so sorry. My brother's about to have a kid, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward yeah. to the... Oh, I want grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. I used to never yeah. say that. I used to think when I had kids, I wanted... That was my deal, being yeah. with them, and couldn't even think about being old enough to have grandkids. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. Now you're thinking I'm about it. Do spoil them to death and then yeah. send them home. And you're gonna say to your kids, "This yeah. is, I, you know, you get to do what your mom's doing now." Yep. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for for thank coming you for on. Having me. Yeah, this is awesome. I was looking forward to this. This is a podcast partially about men. <laughs> Yeah, men in church. And also, we went to we went to lunch yesterday after church. Yeah, and I think when Austin found out I was going to be on this, I, I think his first question he, he needs didn't to say on. it, but I think his first question was, "Do you really know what a podcast is, Dad?" <laughs> Ouch. He didn't say that, but yeah. I can tell that's what he was thinking. That's what he was getting at. Yeah. Well, we got to get so, him on too. I went back and asked Tara what it was after fact. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to let him know that. You're not a podcast guy. I'm trying to get people into, I mean, that's part of what this is all about. Well, you and I talked about this earlier. That was one of the things that I'd seen you'd done something with J-Wade. Right. And we we had talked about that that would be a neat thing to get some business guys together. I was just talking to Gentry about that. And doing that. No, don't get Gentry involved. (laughs) (laughs) He said you'd say something like that. Did he? (laughs) I'm working on a deal with Gentry. So if this plays out over, don't cut this part. Gentry needs to follow through on the deal. Okay. And it does have to do with then firearms. We're, so. then, we're keep, <laughs> then we're keeping it in. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thanks again, Todd. Right. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks. That's a wrap.